All right, welcome back to But Why Should I Care with myself, Ellie Huff. And Deanna Huff. So today we're going to be discussing an article that was that was sent to us, right? So oftentimes we find ourselves, you know, hanging out, you know, for more than five minutes and finding ourselves immediately in a heated, a heated and robust debate, a passionate, vigorous, vigorous fight. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. So, you know, we both take sides, whether we believe in it or not, honestly, and we so just, true. we just go at it. So uh, the beauty is today we didn't we didn't really have to do that. Yeah. So although we, although the great thing about that is iron sharpens iron, so right. one man sharpens the another. Other. Exactly. Yes, there is some some fun that that goes along with said said heated discussions. I I really enjoy them. But today we are going to be discussing a topic that we've already discussed before. Yes, it's worldview, but we are taking it with a different nuance, if you will. So we're going to be discussing specifically syncretism. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so the article that was sent to us is titled The Crisis No One in America is Talking About. And he really zones in on worldview. So some people will say, well, what is a worldview? And they might say, well, it's how you view the world. Right. right? And how you <laughs> Profound. End up, yeah, exactly. And how you end up making those decisions in right. life. And let me just right. read a quote that he mm-hmm. speaks of. He says this. Research by Arizona Christian University claims there is no single worldview that dominates in America. Small percentages of Americans are sold out to Marxism. Small percentages of Americans are sold out to Eastern mysticism. Small percentages are sold out to biblical theism. But most are creating their own worldview. They get exposed to ideas from all these worldviews from a variety of places, then pick and choose elements from each of them blending them together into a customized worldview. Now, this is where we get to the nuance of syncretism, Mm -hmm. because this is really what we see in the Old Testament. I mean, we see the ideas of this in Joshua 24, when he says, who are you going to serve? You know, he's asking the people, Israelites, as they're going into the promised land, make sure that you're going to serve the one true God, Yahweh. And then you see it again in this idea of Hosea, Mm -hmm. where God is showing his faithfulness to the people and exposing that they have been unfaithful to him. And this idea of syncretism is taking the ideas of Christianity Mm -hmm. and infusing along with it other ideas. And that's what the Hebrews or the Israelites did in the Old Testament. They took the ideas of Yahweh and then they would also sit alongside at Baal right. and other false gods. And as much as it feels like we're like covering our bases, right? You know, as human beings, we're like, you see this in that book, The Life of Pi, I think? And he like talks about how, you know, when he's stranded on this like boat, I can't remember the beginning of the story, it's been so long, but he, he claims to be like a Christian, a Buddhist, and is islamic or something of that assortment and you know you see him doing like all of the different practices Mm -hmm. right so he'll be praying to god and then he'll be praying to you know a different god and then he'll be meditating but it it all looks different right and and his focus is different for each one his motivation is different for each one so it's like a worldview is your framework right as we said of beliefs that sort of postulates or like you know it's the it's it's what you use to make your decisions right mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. comes before the action right belief cause action effect right so you want your framework or your beliefs to be clear and to be 
what you believe is good, true, and beautiful in order to act well, like in, in society as a human being, to have the right perspective. Like your worldview is very important, but it's almost as though the society today, you know, society, um, <laughs> as if it's not me, we are society. But anyways, um, you know, we believe that that worldview doesn't matter that much, that your beliefs really don't matter. Like take whatever belief you want. It's really not that big of a deal. Go to church on Sunday, go to the mosque on the weekdays, go to, you know, do other practices other days. And we were talking about this earlier with with the story about the young girl. Yeah, that's right. Because the story was, about the young girl. The young girl. Yeah. So this girl and I, we were having a conversation about Christianity and I was just asking her about her belief system and it was very amicable and she began to share about some suffering in her life. Right. And as she began to share about it, she was talking about her brother who had passed away. Mm-hmm. And at first, I thought, we're kind of on the same, same page, page, right? Christian she, worldview. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And the more she talked, the more I realized, wait a second, I think there might be some differing belief systems here because mm-hmm. she said, yes, I am a Christian and I spoke to my brother about something specifically. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a second. Okay. I know her brother has passed away. So how did she talk to him? So I asked her, I said, now, how did you communicate with your brother? And she said, they're a medium. Right. And of course, immediately then I thought to myself, okay, new age practices. Okay. You're incorporating something yep. inside of Christianity because we know that in Isaiah eight nineteen mm-hmm. that God is very specific in saying, you're going to these mediums, you're going to these spiritists, but right. why aren't you coming to me and inquiring of me? Right. And this is where you see the dynamic of syncretism. Right. And then, uh, you know, in my generation, I've had many conversations with people where it's like, oh, we're Christians, you know, we have these core Christian beliefs. And then it's like, oh, but we also, you know, utilize crystals or like charge our crystals or, and it's like, the question is what, what is that? Or, or, you know, what does that look like for the Christian? Like, is that okay? And like, you kind of step back and you're like, no, wait, maybe okay. And then you look back and you're like, when you utilize the Christian worldview or the biblical worldview, biblical worldview is more of like the act of referring to the Bible, right? When you have a question. So if you're like, oh, I saw these really beautiful crystals, I want to also charge them and use their energy so as to create good fortune in my life. And then you're like, now hold on. You look back and you see like in Isaiah where it's talking about astrology and all these different things, this crystals, and everything in that vein, it says like, don't make it a fire to warm yourself by, right? So you you have to step back and be like, okay, as much as this seemed like a good thing to myself, because you look at the aesthetically pleasing, you know, things that things that seem good, so, and you you wonder like, is that a part of the the Christian lifestyle if I want it to be, mm-hmm. right? And I think that sometimes we think these can be like immediate helps or they can give us peace or they can give us this solace, this comfort. And in reality, God has given us instruction on how to navigate through some of these challenges or sufferings in our life. And we have either been uninformed on how to assess them or maybe we're growing in our sanctification maybe we Mm -hmm. become a christian but we don't necessarily know that these are wrong practices right or we don't necessarily we haven't yet grown into maturity in 
mm-hmm. knowing how the word speaks to these different things in life. Yeah. But what we do know is that God desires for us to come to him. So mm-hmm. we want to be careful about taking on these these ideas because what we're doing in right. a sense is what the article is claiming and that is we're creating our own worldview right. which will at some point remove any type of reference point mm-hmm. and there won't be any truth in it it'll just be a hodgepodge of subjective ideas yeah. that lead us into a despondent and despairing angst as opposed to something that is full of peace and life, right. beauty, truth, those types of things. Exactly. So I think that's that's really important is to, to discuss the truth of it all, right? So we need to have that reference point of truth, hence worldview. But let's discuss, this is a tricky one, here we go, challenging your beliefs versus syncretism, right? So we know that we do not, we're not omniscient. We're not going to play pretend like we have the most intellectual abilities, our capacities for reason are beyond, we're human. Exactly, exactly. What does it look like to challenge our beliefs but not lose our our core beliefs, right? So we need to have an equal amount of like challenging and also like holding, you know, our our beliefs. But you want to be like Aristotle where he's like has intellectual virtues, right? Where he's like, have open-mindedness, right? And have humility. Be Allow yourself to be wrong and accept that truth, right? But you also need to hold firm, right? Exactly. And I think that this is where it gets a little bit challenging for people because mm-hmm. they want to stand and hold the line of truth, but they yes. also want to be able to have the conversation and, and examine their own beliefs. Because this is what we see in Paul's writings, right? I mean, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Right. You, you ought to be able to have conversations with people and them think differently and you be able to look back and say is that true right we ought to be able to do that right that's what we do (laughs) that's what we do all the time yes so if you would just just like to come to our house yeah have the robust discussion with us exactly and both of us kind of being like no i'm right and then like kind of looking down like wait am i right so when we look at essentials that are what I might say the unmovable essentials. Okay, things sure. that you should not detract from. It or would, things yeah. yeah, go ahead. It would be just crucial things for the gospel. For like for our, you know, Christianity and our Christian beliefs to like synthesize and like come together, like all of these things must take place for us to have the Christianity that is true. That's exactly right. I mean, we're just going back to scripture. It's biblical. It's biblical worldview. Yeah. So that's exactly right. So what are our essentials? So I think one of the essentials that should be talked about is the Trinity, right? I mean, this is going to be something that people have talked about and religions in throughout the world may differ, you know, with us on absolutely. Right. And the, and they might say, "Oh, you know, like we talked about in the last podcast, Jesus is a good teacher. He's a prophet. But he's a he's not God in the flesh." Yeah. And so the Trinity is going to be absolutely necessary and important. Right. So then we got the virgin birth, Christ's sinlessness, I mean, the bodily death and resurrection, which is quite literally the crux of the argument a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and and then, so important. Right. Judgment and redemption is going to occur second coming stuff you know 
human sinfulness. We can't save ourselves, right? That's so right. why would we need, you know, Christianity if we could? So that's crucial. It's like all of these things, you kind of like look at it as like, it's essential because like, how could it, how could it not be this way, right? Why would we be here if it wasn't this way? What about this argument? These are all leading to the the holistic understanding of Christianity. Yeah, right? and the inspiration of Scripture. I mean, yes. it's so important. I mean, the right. reliability of the text. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people that maybe you encounter that say, well, I don't necessarily believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, okay, let's reframe this question. Let's look not necessarily at my beliefs. Right. Let's look at what does the Bible say? Right. And I think that you can have a good conversation when you do those things. Now, there might be a point where someone says, well, I don't believe the Bible, mm-hmm. right? right? And then you probably need to have a discussion <laughs> over the reliability the, of the, the Bible, Bible right? right? But then you bring up like the, you know, apologetics, like normie toolbox answer where you're like, but the manuscripts, but the artifacts, but the prophecies. Which are great arguments. the statistics. So all that to say, you know, that is really important for the biblical worldview to matter, you yes, know, is yes. maybe the reliability of said biblical, um, you know. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, the important part of this discussion is we should challenge our beliefs, yes, but we also need to hold firm to a biblical worldview, and that's going to offer this sort of, like, I don't think we understand as a society, since we're in a postmodern era, how essential truth is to our sanity that's exactly right right so i i mean it's shown in my life so i can speak to my life i can't necessarily say like everyone in our generation but like i know when i am feeling those like the gen z like the depression the anxiety the you know lack of a lack of identity right those things we usually talk about is when i'm not grounding myself in truth, but I'm allowing the like complexity of life to like get to me, right? And so I find myself, you know, I'm challenging every, you know, these these beliefs, which is a good thing. I'm, cause suffering is gonna, you know, shake your world up, stress, and like all these things, anxiety, depression, like they're gonna shake your life up and they're inevitable. But we need to have that first response being like, okay, Let's go back to the Bible, right? And let's go back to biblical teaching. So like good mentors, people that can walk you through the reference point of truth because it, it grounds you, right? That's exactly right. And not only that, when you find yourself in these situations where you look around and you think everything is falling apart, the sky is falling, you know, all these it atrocities. Is. It, it right, is. right, right. Right. I want you, it but is. if you do not have hope Mm -hmm. then you're going to fall into this hole of despair and then you may even say well who even cares i'm going to try everything or who even cares i'm I'm going to try nothing nothing." and so you have these two extremes going on in our society and and people are looking for someone to say there is a way mm-hmm. and and you can be encouraged and you right. can have hope and i and i think about this often where jesus you know looks around and says come to me right. all you who are weary, weary and heavy laden mm-hmm. and and that's what we see in our society today i mean we have five dollar gas and people Don't, are oh, yeah let's keep going <laughs> yeah that, you can stop there yeah exactly that's okay. but you you have these 
areas in life where people feel this tyranny and this oppression, right. but there can be this freedom and this joy. So it reminds me of this story that we were talking about yesterday mm-hmm. with Landon Gilkey. Mm-hmm. And it's in the last chapter of Making Sense of God. Anyways, needless to say, he was a secular humanist and he was born in the early 1900s, highly educated, and he had gone over to Japan. And when he went over to Japan, he was teaching in this area where he ultimately gets sent to an internment camp because the war breaks out and he ends up getting sent there through different events and while he's in the camp he thinks okay well now we're going to get to use the experiment of how good humanity is and how they can all come together and work together Mm -hmm. and what ends up happening and being exposed is that in the first couple of months that they're there they have this little room and they have certain things that are given to them and it's going pretty well and he thinks this is great But then what ends up happening is that after a couple of months, people start hiding food, they start stealing, and all these... Lord of the Flies all over again. (laughs) Yeah, these atrocities start happening, and he begins to look around, and he says, we're just a bunch of animals. We treat each other awful, and we're not good. We're not innately good. Mm -hmm. But there is one guy in the camp. And he is significantly different. And his name is Eric Liddell. Mm -hmm. And he sees him playing with the children and trying to help people Mm -hmm. and not doing all these different acts that all these other people are doing. And he's he's beginning to question and wonder, what is making this guy different, Mm -hmm. right? And ultimately, what makes him different is he knows Christ. And he knows the love of God, Mm -hmm. and this is being expressed through him, even though he's in this tyrannical situation. And I say all that just to say that these worldviews expose, you know, what happens in life when we hold on to ideas that are not going to move us in the Mm -hmm. direction of peace and love and goodness and truth. And that can only happen through Christ. Right. And we have good reason to believe that, right? So that we have this reference point of truth. We have this active referring to Scripture, whereas syncretism allows for so much leniency in, in even just if we're talking about like logical inconsistencies, right? So we see the law of non-contradiction as one of the first you know things you learn in any logic class ever. Two statements that are contradictory cannot be true at the same place at the same time or whatever, right? So you can't have, you can't uphold a particular piece of the framework of your worldview that says Jesus is the one and only way to heaven, right? Right. And also hold, everyone's path looks a little bit different and also hold, that path could be, you know, through the teachings of Buddha, that that path could be, you know, fill in the blank your, your particular teaching. That's the fundamental part of Christianity is salvation. And you are holding contradictory views, allowing everyone to kind of do their own thing when the literal consequence is going to be your eternal welfare, right? So your eternal welfare is at stake and you're like, so I'm not going to follow logic 
I, I don't think that that's necessarily what I'm going to do. It's like, okay, but you have to have a really good reason to deny logic then. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. well, I guess you can't. Okay. So you logically need a really good uh, reason as to deny logic. See, we go in this like circular, you know, vicious cycle of like, then you genuinely can't know anything. And that is the age we live in. But once we refer back to said reference point of truth and begin to ground ourselves in the truth and then act on that and see the flourishing and the uh, benefit of acting in said way, it's more beneficial to adhere to said biblical worldview, right? Yeah, and what's interesting is that even the ones who are stating that you can't hold to any truth, they're contradicting themselves in and of itself, right? Because they're making a claim that they're stating is true, but yet they're saying nothing is true. Hello, beginner's logic. Yeah, yeah. So so everybody's just walking away going, we can't even have the conversation because there is no logic, there is no truth, there is nothing. But that is not true. Don't let those ideas make you think that everyone thinks that way because not necessarily everyone thinks that way and you can have conversations to help people see the most plausible things so i mean biblical worldview having a worldview at all is going to have to assess those four things right that we always talk about and we know that everybody has a worldview whether it's a created worldview of their own which is extracting from all these different worldviews and then creating your own which Mm -hmm. is what the article is really referring to Mm -hmm. and stating that we need to be in the public square encouraging people to assess what they're really thinking about and show the inconsistencies in that right because the worldview must assess your identity your belonging your purpose your meaning all these things so if you don't have if you have a scattered worldview, it's like uh, the story about that building. Yeah, it's that one that was created. Basically, what happened was somebody said, we're going to make the first postmodern building. Yeah. And they built the building and it had all these stairs and doors. but Very they, artsy. Yeah, very, very artsy. artsy. They didn't go in the same direction. Yeah. Like some of them would end and not have... A destination the, to be at. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or like the door would be higher. Yeah, I've seen them. I like so them. in that, what's interesting about it though is that they built this building but they built the foundation exactly the way foundations are are supposed supposed to to be be built built. right so that building would not stand right unless it had a foundation to be built on right exactly so that's kind of how our worldview works right so the worldview has to have a basis of truth right i would have to say just the fact that truth grounds us and i you know we kind of talked about this truth is grounding and it's arguably good and beautiful what it what it's being grounded in because like what we can refer to descartes where it's like god can either either be god a good god or he can be an evil demon right but because we you know we can look at the circumstantial evidence right so we as human beings trust our senses well if god created us and we trust our senses that means like god must have made our senses reliable so he's not an evil demon he must have made our senses reliable and because we can make scientific discoveries if you will then it shows that like we can trust our senses and god has allowed us to have some type of understanding of reality right we have some type of connection with reality so there's reason to believe that god is good right so 
We have this truth that we are given. It is arguably good and beautiful. It grounds us. It offers us this place of peace, right? And it also is something that is freeing, right? Right. You always hear people say things like, the truth will set you free. Yeah. Right? Well, actually, that comes from the Bible. Right. And that is because the truth is freeing. Mm -hmm. And when we know the truth and we walk in the truth, then we can rest and be satisfied in that. And it's incredibly important to know that Jesus said, I'm the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right. And he was testifying to the truth. Right. So if we, you know, don't hold said one view, um, and we're taking all these different pieces from different worldviews and kind of frameworking them together, right? You find yourself just kind of wondering at the end of the day, like, Okay, what do I believe? What is true? <laughs> what do I do? And my house is getting ready to I'm, go down because I'm, I'm on sad. a sandy. Yeah. I'm on a sandy hill. Yeah, exactly. So. But it sounds so good at first. Well, I think if you don't sit and think about if you don't sit in a room by yourself for very long, yes. um, it's like a good plan, you know? But once you sit there and think, I'm scared. I'm scared that I might be wrong about these things being able to work together. And then you're like, oh, once I logically look at all the evidence, I'm convinced they can't stand together. And that's an, an existential crisis, right? That's, yeah. So if you have a biblical worldview, it'll help you to flourish because of these reasons, right? You'll, you'll learn what it's like to understand Jesus's values and teachings, right? You'll know, you'll have a greater and more refined framework to know how to act well. Worldview is is very important. Continue to challenge yours and, and hold fast to what is true. We hope this will make you think.